In goes Stewart! They've only gone and done it! And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Boris backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. Oh, and it's an opening goal. What a start. Madden, after just six minutes, gives Yeovil the lead. Stansfield, good turn away from Trott. Goal. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Glover's Past from the Glover's Cast, where we chat with some of the players who turn out in green and white down the years about their days at Hewish Park. Today, we're joined by a player who spent three seasons and made more than 100 appearances for Yeovletown and since gone on to make a bit of a name for himself in football management. We're delighted to welcome to the Glover's Cast, Andy Welsh. Andy, thanks for joining us. No problem at all. Glad to be here. <laughs> Absolute pleasure. Yes. So it's it's me, it's Dave, and uh, Ian's here as well. So let's um let's get into the uh, into the questions because your your uh, career at Yeovil Town uh, started in in, in two thousand eight. You you come from quite an interesting career by the looks of it. Uh, you had a stint in the in the Premiership with uh, with with Sunderland, and then you had yep. a spell in, in Canada, and then I think it was Blackpool that that brought you back to to the UK, but. If I'm right in saying, or if the research is right, then you're, it was a trial uh, in the summer of 2008. They brought you northwest to southwest. Um, I think Russell Slade was a manager at the time. Can you remember all those years back about those first conversations you'd have had with Russell? How, how did it all come about? Yeah, no, I remember it all, David, well, to be honest, because uh, it was a bit of a funny summer for me because... Um, like, like you've just said there, I was at Blackpool... Um, you know, I did. Uh, I had an option year with them and um, didn't sign. And then I thought I had something else sorted, and things just happened where I didn't have anything really other than I think Morecambe were interested, and I had an opportunity to go up to St Mirren, which I turned down early on because I thought I wanted to stay in the Championship, and nothing really happened. And then got an opportunity to come down to Yeovil, albeit um, you know Russell Slade uh, said, "Look, come and." Um, you know, have a trial with us, have a look at us, we can have a look at you. And I just thought, do you know what, League One, uh, I'll go down and have a look. I didn't realise how far it was. Um, I going to say, it's a long way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but the funny thing is, though, my wife's got family down in Yeovil. Ah, uh, right. Yeah, so, um, you know, it, yeah. I went. Listen, I went down, um, played in a trial game. Yeah. I think I might have even got a hat-trick in the game or something. Um, it's good memory. You always Wusu. remember that. Actually. Yeah, Lloyd Wusu played, Jonesy played left oh, back, yeah. I remember. Uh, Gary Roberts played centre mid. And um, yeah, it was. Uh, I actually went back up the road because he couldn't agree terms. Um, right. So I did, I wasn't going to sign. Um, so I went back up to Manchester. And to be honest, I didn't have much else. And, and I'd, I'd agreed to sign for Morecambe. Right. And I was literally on the side of a pitch when um, Sammy McElroy said, "Oh, you need to speak to your agent." And me and but Sammy Mac didn't know that me, my agent was on the phone saying, "Right, you're not signing there today because Yeovil have agreed the money you want and X, Y, and Z." Right. Uh, but I think it all hinged on Lloyd Wusu leaving, basically. So. People often ask, why did I end up with a number nine shirt? And that was because, obviously, Lloyd moved on. Um, I ended up, he was renting a house. I rented the house he was renting. And, you know, it was, um, yeah, I don't know. It was that, that's how it kind of came about. And, um, you know, I, I had an absolutely brilliant time there. I loved every single minute of it, if I'm honest. We, we lost a bit of experience. You've mentioned Lloyd Owusu at that moment. Scott Guyett left as well. Um, yeah. Russell had brought in some younger players from non-league, like Kieran Murta, Gavin Tomlin, yeah. and Andrew McCollin. Is it fair to say you were brought in as an experienced player to help those younger players alongside Paul Warren? Yeah, possibly. Yeah, I think, you know, um, when I came in and, and you kind of looked at the squad, it was, it was a bit of a funny one, really, because um, 
there was some experienced players there. Danny Schofield was there. Um, you know, Skibbo was still playing. Uh, like you just mentioned there, Warner, Darren Way was still playing. Um, Jones, you've said already, yeah. Jones, Jones, yeah, but Jones, who wasn't playing, he was, for some reason, he wasn't getting in the team. Oh, right. um, so, yeah, it, yeah, to an extent, I think that's what it was as well. Obviously, my experience, even though I must have been, what, 25, 26 at the time, I'd still got hundreds of games under my belt. So, it was probably along that side of it, yeah. So, you know, and then you've got your Kieran Murtra. I mean, you know, I think you mentioned a name now, Andre McCollin, you know, Kieran was a good young player. I'm not sure Andre was good enough for, for League One. I'm not being disrespectful on that side, but there was some players there that you're thinking, you know, um, you know, probably squad fillers. Um, and I think when you're at League One level, um, as you, you you well know, it, it's a tough, tough league, um, as is league football in general. But, you know, you have to know certain games where you can play and, uh, and how to win games as well. Um, and I think that, that you know, that first kind of... Well, obviously, Russell ended up moving on anyway, didn't he? But, you know, I, don't, I didn't feel as though the blend was quite right at times. Um, and then, obviously, Skivo and, and Jonesy uh, took over and, and things really, really picked up. It, you know, it felt like we had a game plan every game, if you like. I mean, again, looking at the... The, the fixture list. You, you came in in, in October and you, it was a difficult run, I think, when you when you came in. It was a, a 3-0 defeat at MK Dons, by the looks of it, that you made your, your debut. Yeah. <laughs> and, then it, and then it took another six games before you, before you got to the uh, your first win. I mean, do you think it was that maybe a bit of a mismatched squad that uh, was contributing towards that? Yeah, I, I mean, when I came in, I think I played right wing a lot, which... yeah. Um, I, again, obviously, being a left footer, I'd, I'd never really been in that position before. But when I went out to Toronto, I got a bit of a name for playing on the right wing and cutting in and then came back to Blackpool and Wes Ulaham was on the left wing and I played a bit on the right wing. And then, um, I don't know, listen, I don't mind playing it at all. I didn't mind playing the position. I think even the last year at Yeovil, um, I was playing actually right wing back and Luke Aylan was playing right side of a back three or I'd play right wing and Luke would play right back or you know so I, I didn't mind doing that but yeah that that kind of imbalance there um I think it was you know maybe just getting a bit more experience on the field if you like um yes. but we certainly had the players there that, you know when you go to a club sometimes you look at it and you think well it, you know you can tell why you've kind of come in um because of team struggling or what have you but I went in there and I thought really good base of a good squad and and most of all some really really good characters you know that um like I say all the time um you know when you move to a football club what's important for me is that you get in the community straight away and know what the club's all about and, and I felt like every player certainly experienced player bought into that some of the younger players you lined up against or lined up with in your time at Yeovil include the likes of Asmir Begovic, Lee Peltier, yeah. Andros Townsend. And then I think in the second season, Stephen Colker and, and Ryan Mason both came down to Yeovil. Yeah. Was it, was it Alex was, McCarthy? Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so yeah. many. W was it always obvious that they were going to head to the, the top of the game in your mind when you played with them? Yeah, I think so. You know, um, I mean, as me, you know, we go back to that when I first came in um, time. Uh, Asmir was in net uh, and there was Josh Wagner, who was Canadian number two. And, you know, but Asmir was, um, it's just, you could tell, he obviously he's grown even more now. And he's got, you know, he's gone on to have an unbelievable career, but, there were just some saves that he was pulling off that were outstanding, that were incredible. And, um, you know, I always remember, I think we were playing Northampton away and I think we lost the game, but he was a young man that stood up and said his piece in the dressing room at the time. And I remember he got a little bit teary and emotional about it, that he cared that much. And he thought, yeah, you can see that about him, that he cares that much uh, about his game and he's a winner, you know, and, and, 
you know, that that inevitably is what gets people to the top level is being a winner and not accepting, you know, losing or, or, or sometimes even winning performances can be poor. And, you know, you look at your Andros Townsend and, you know, I spent many a uh, afternoon or, or after training session with him and Ryan Mason just practising free kicks and, and crossing and they were just hungry. You know, they did things the right way. They would have been 17, 18, but, you know, coming into League One football and, you know, working really, really hard at the game still and not taking things for granted. Uh, but football's all about getting chances and taking those chances. And even from there, you know, your Androsses and your Ryans and, and Stephen Corkers, they still had uh, little bits of suffering along the way to get to, to, to the levels that they wanted to get to in the game, if you like. Um but it was it, it's been brilliant to see them grow. And obviously Ryan's now managing Spurs, albeit on an interim basis. You know, he's managed Spurs, I think, in a cup final as well. And um, you know, but again, his story from his head injury and that and how he's come through that. It's, you know, again, it's it's incredible to see these people, um, which everyone is, grow up and um grow into good people and and start to have an impact on the game at the highest level. Yeah, just, uh, I mean, going to, to that first season, there seemed to be um, a, f- a few difficult um, results there. A, a couple of, a couple of losses to Stockport, which obviously is where you, um, yeah. where you started your career. I mean, yeah. I imagine there'd be some unhappy homecomings um, there. I mean, is, is there anything about that, that first season that um, sort of sticks out for you as a, um, as, a, as, a, as a result, particularly in that early period? Yeah, I think uh, one of the games we lost, it's probably the first time I'm owning up to this, but one <laughs> of the games we lost, uh, I think Carl Baker might have got a hat-trick or got one goal, but I shouldn't. I, I should have owned up to scoring an own goal because he, he didn't get it. It, it hit my <laughs> head. You take the hat-trick off him. <laughs> but I didn't want to... You know, I didn't want to say anything at the time. But um, listen, losing and is all part and parcel of the game. And I think, I think the biggest thing with the Stockport losses, I think it was it, there was the FA Cup one, wasn't it, that year? Yeah, I think the it FA was, Cup, yeah. League one, yeah. Um, and I always remember the FA Cup one. I think I've said this on another podcast before. Um, obviously, I got brought in to play and, you know, no disrespect, but I'm, I'm not coming down to, to any club just to make numbers up, especially travelling all the way down to Yeovil. And if I'm honest, I felt my performances from, the, you know, when I started at the club um, to kind of that, that Stockport game were good enough to, to be getting a run, more of a run in the team. And I think there was the young lad, Aidan Downs, who was playing on the wing and can't remember who the other one was, but you know, I, I went to see Russell during the week and I just said, look, uh, just letting you know, I'm not happy that, I've, you know, I'm not getting a run in the team. I've, you know, I've, I'm not, I know what I'm capable of. And, you know, team shape comes, I'm not in the team shape for the Saturday. So I just left it. And then Saturday before the game, he's, um, you know, he's, he's, he's pulled a meeting with a starting eleven, And he's just left. I always remember because Jonesy was, I'm sure Jonesy wasn't playing. And I think me and him were on the bench. So he just left the full bench in, in the dressing room and the, the starting 11 had to go out to his office. <laughs> sort of random. Anyway, come back in and like Skivo and a couple of others were saying, what the bloody hell have you said to uh, the gaffer there? Like, what? He said, well, basically he's been telling us that if, uh, if, if someone's not performing, I've got him knocking on my door asking all the time why he's not playing, why he's not playing. <laughs> so he's like, you know, basically making a big song and dance about it. But anyway, I must have got in his head because 30 minutes into the game, he made a substitution and I came on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Using it, you uh, as motivation. Well, possibly, yeah, possibly. But I mean, I think I did come on that game and I set Warney up for a goal. I think we were losing 1-0 or 2-0. And I remember I picked the ball up on the halfway line and drove past a couple of defenders and then kind of slotted him in and he finished it. So I, I think at that point when we came, we might we might have been losing, but I definitely remember I set Warney up for a goal that game. I do remember as well. Was it difficult to knock on Russell Slade's door? <laughs> no, not at all. Listen, no. when, when you've knocked on Roy Keane and Mick McCarthy's door, it's... <laughs> <laughs> Russell no, Slade's a puppy dog. But I'm not, I'm, uh, you know... 
like I've just said to you, I've, I've been, you know, I am a winner and I want to, I'm in football to play games, not to, to make the numbers up when I was a player. And, you know, like now being a manager, it, it, I have an open door policy. If players think they, they, they should be playing, knock, knock on my door and let's chat about it. Because at the end of the day, we're all human. And if you don't talk about stuff and it festers, then, you know, um, it, you're not going to get the best result out of, of your players. So, you know, it's about that man management side as well. Yeah. In fairness, though, to Russ, what I would say is just before he got sacked, he um, probably he, he were playing this, I think it was six games on the bounce. Uh, and we were having a laugh and a joke because I think I got about eight assists in six games. And I remember we were having a flip, you know, I remember we went away to Peterborough, we won 4 0, I think it was. 3 1, wasn't it? Yeah, that came to Peterborough. One, sorry, yeah, 3 1. Yeah. Um, did 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 Warner get a couple that day? Someone oh, got a couple that I, re- I remember anyway. But I I got two assists from a corner that day as well. So yeah. I do. Remember. I've got I've got Warren Aaron Brown, Sean McDonald scoring that day. That was it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Sean McDonald. Yeah, yeah. Another lonely. Like, Another lonely. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. In the middle of your first season, I think it was around December two thousand eight. Darren Way has that horrific car yeah. crash. Yeah. Um. What impact did that have on the squad, sort of mentally and and on the pitch? Because I remember Darren coming back and sort of being such a lift in the whole team, and just it was like he'd never been away and came back straight into the team and just added that bite. But what was it like off the pitch and on the pitch without without Darren? To be fair to Daz, obviously you don't realise what a good player he was. You know. Um, and. Um, a good a driving force on the pitch. You could moan like you wouldn't believe it. <laughs> We've heard, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah but you need that as well. And uh, again, you're then missing that experience in the centre of the pitch, aren't you? Yeah. Um, and I think Pelts ended up going in there for a while. Um, but yeah, it was wasn't a nice time at all because um, obviously my time down in Yeovil, which was three years, I got you know got to know Bruce really well. Who was in the crash with him as well. Um, and it just wasn't like, it was just, I mean, you couldn't, but it's one of them moments, you can't believe what's happening. And, mm. you know, I remember went over to Bristol to visit him as well. And, um, you know, he's, he's, he, 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 to be fair to him, and it's credit to him, his spirit, he always kept his spirits high and he's a real fighter in, you know, coming through all that. And, and, you know, let's be honest, being able to bloody walk again. Yeah. Um, you know, from where he was. So I think that did have a massive impact on us as a squad. Um, not not just the squad, but the football club as well, because he was a massive part of, of the football club. So, you know, it's, um, yeah, it wasn't a nice time at all. No. If there's one person I imagine you can, it's got that single-mindedness to, to get through something like that, it probably is Darren Way, wouldn't it? Because he's a very focused and committed guy, wasn't he? Yeah, player and Yeah. But, you know, as well, I think, People like Skivo around him and his family around him helps. And, and again, you know, the community of uh, Yeovil uh, around him uh, to help him get through it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's one player I wanted to ask you about, and he's probably someone that don't, a lot of fans probably don't think so, but Gary Roberts was a, was yeah. a player who was there at your time. Now, he had all kinds of off-the-field problems, but as a player, you could when you saw him play, you thought there is definitely something about him but he obviously had his, his demons, shall we say. I mean, what was he like as a, as, as a player? I mean, your career, you must have come get alongside some characters, I imagine. Well, yeah, Robbo had it all, uh, in my opinion. He, mm. His passing ability was up there with the best, some of the best players I've played with. And, you know, um, I'm, not, I'm not just saying that. It was incredible. Mm. His fitness levels as well could get up and down the pitch. He could, be, he could have been oh. any... Play could have been an eight, could have been a ten. You know, he had that type of ability. Um, but yeah, I think he obviously came at the same time as me. So we we were in, you know, a hotel together for for a couple of months as well. So, um, but it's just the off the field stuff, isn't it, with Robbo? Yeah. I think you know he. Uh, it's very hard sometimes, I think, because you don't know people's upbringings, whether it is upbringings or whether it's just, you know, ignorance to 
your position or, uh, that, that you have in football and, and that's often in uh, in the professional game I, I feel things have completely changed and I think if Gary Roberts comes through nowadays you know kids don't do what uh, uh, you know the stories of drinking cultures and think. Listen, they still go out and have a drink and and whatnot, but the game's completely changed now. But you know, at that time, obviously, I had a lot of experience from uh, the Premier League side or the MLS side, where things were a little bit more advanced, um, and I I kind of got a heads up of what was to come. And then obviously the lads from Spurs come in, and you see things starting to develop, i.e. foam rollers and stretching and, and stuff like that. And, you know, gone are the days where you, you, you're done at 12 o'clock and you might be home at half 12, 1 o'clock. You know, you might be getting home at 3 o'clock because you're doing a, a double session. And to be honest, I was used to that at Sunderland and, and Toronto that we'd be doing double sessions and stuff. But I think stuff like that would have helped, Robbo, because the minute training finished, that, that's where you, you, you worry is probably lay with him is is where is he what's he up to and is he going to turn up the next day <laughs> yeah but like you say a real talented player i mean you could see that from even the little we saw of him you could see what a good player he was and there's some games that he just absolutely ran the show mm-hmm. uh, he won um you know he was it, it, for, for me thinking certainly when i played on the wing i, I knew that I, he was just going to get it out of his feet and look for a diag or try and get it to your feet and yeah, a great player. And, um, you know, sometimes you speak to him, you think the, the the penny's finally dropped. And, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it's funny because I saw this this season we've played against uh, Congleton, who uh, Tom Pope plays for. And Tom Pope knows him as well. And we, we just had a little chat regarding him. And I think Tom Pope, I think he was at Congleton a couple of seasons back. And, but he's just, I just don't think he's changed really on no. that side of it, which is a shame, really. We we've touched on the Peterborough game already. Um, yeah, but that was sort of the end of Russell Slade. I think there was an announcement went out in the middle of the match that Russell Slade had been sacked. What, yeah. What what was that situation like as a, as a dressing room and a squad, and and what was the build up to it like? Had there been rumblings that? Russell was going to be on his way out. Like, how, was I know it that... the Peterborough game? Yeah, the Peterborough game was... It, we we won four in a row, wouldn't we? We'd won four yeah. games. And then the last yeah. game was that Peterborough game the, the, where we won 3-1. Yeah. And I'm sure John... Uh, it may not have been his actual sacking, but John Fry, the chairman at the time, made some weird statement about something about uh, looking at uh, options and things like that and then right. the following week Russell was gone but he had won right. four games in yeah, a row which was most bizarre like, like I said I'd, I would say I'd had run-ins or fall we certainly didn't fall out or anything but you know you finally think we've won four games in a row I've been heavily involved in that to be honest the lads were absolutely buzzing and flying and you could tell there was a little bit you know uh, you, you mentioned there I think Aaron Brown I think I'd set a goal up for him away at Leighton Orient and then obviously he got one in the Peterborough game and yeah. you know he was a real big in fact he got one was it South End away as well he got a, a goal in that game they might have been the four games um, but he you know it was just little set piece stuff and and that you know aiming for him and Skibbo and um, in fact, I think Skibbo was injured actually, wasn't he, at that time? That's why Brownie was probably playing. Yeah, but, you're right. It was uh, yeah. Terrell Forbes and, uh, yeah. and, and Aaron Brown, but you're right. Yeah. It was South End away 1 0, Huddersfield at home 1 0, Leighton Orient away 1 0, and then 3 1 at Peterborough. Those were the, those so were Macca, the four. Macca games. scored against Huddersfield, and I remember that Huddersfield game was that was the start of Lee Clark at Huddersfield, and they yeah. were throwing absolute money at it, weren't they? And they you know, they signed uh, a, a little wing and then they signed Pilkington and Gary Roberts and they all played and we beat them 1-0, didn't we? That's right, and yeah. It, they had Phil Jevons yeah. up front then, who was a bit of a hero yeah. as well, so yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I remember we beat them 1-0, yeah. So, um, yeah, so, it, no, I don't think... It was a bit of a strange time because it was like, yeah, Russell's going now. Um, who's taking over? Oh, it's Skibbo. 
and then we're away at Bristol Rovers. Mm. And I can't remember at the time if was it a caretaker skivel to begin with? No, it was. Do you remember uh, Steve Thompson? Uh, he, he, he I don't took think over. Tom, did Tom O take that game? He took over for a period, and then it was, and then it was Skivo and uh, and 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 Nathan Jones. Yeah. Well, yeah, I just remember that Bristol Rovers game, and I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah it was a. Uh, I think Ricky Lambert scored an absolute thunderbolt because obviously I played with Ricky at Stockport, and I remember being stood in the wall, thinking, <laughs> "Oh, my get God, out of the way!" And it ends up in the top corner, yeah. uh, you know. But uh, again, as much listen, we went away to Bristol Rovers and we lost that game. Let's be honest: was it the best time to sack Russell Slade when you're winning four games in a row and you're about to play a derby game? It's like, wow, yeah, you know, possibly lose the derby game, and you, you see that's why you've gone. But it was a very bizarre one, that if, if you ask me. The timing of it was just didn't make any sense, did it? No. No. Not at all, no, because I think there was a little bit more belief then about the club, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think Russell had a, his last laugh, didn't he? Because he was a Brighton manager by the time we played there in, in, in March. They beat us 5-0, if I remember rightly. But um, uh, Yeah, that's right, yeah. 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 He but, also um, had the last it, laugh in court as well, didn't he? I well, think yeah, then. he did. <laughs> that as well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, what what was the dynamic around the place when Skivo and and, and Jones were taking place? Because obviously they were teammates and um, people yeah. the people that you knew then. And there's always that thing, and you'll have experience going from a player to being a manager. It's a very different thing, isn't it? Did that change the dynamic in the dressing room at all? Well, just going back to that Brighton game, I think Skivo played himself. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, and I think he took himself off at half time, so it might have been earlier. Oh, no, you're right. right. No, he played the yeah. full game. Yeah, he yeah, did. He played, he played the full game. game. I think I remember after that game, he said, That's me done. <laughs> <laughs> not in, not like straight after the game in front of the lads. But, yeah, he didn't, play, he didn't play the game after that. Yeah, one, we're still it. quite close with, with Jonesy and, and Skibar speaks from every now and again. But, uh, yeah. but I, I was still quite close from them because, I mean, certainly Jonesy, we, we really got on and soon as I came to the club, we kind of it, it, it hit it off. And, um, yeah, so, it, listen, it was tough to begin with. Um, but but I also felt a sense of I had to be part of the reason why they succeed in the dressing room. Mm-hmm. So I know they, as characters, they, they wanted things done a certain way. Um, and people to act a certain way, and, and that's one thing that I never wanted in the dressing room for them, or or, or, or just in general, even, even under any manager, you know, the minute people start sniping and bickering, which happens behind people's feet, you can probably pretty much write off you going on to, to win anything or do anything, because um, you know, that's not what a team does, so um, what they did do is they brought in a, um. I think a, a, an environment that you wanted to be part of, uh, a hard working environment, um, and, and one that just, uh, you know, they, they wanted to, to basically try and push the club on. But let's be honest, they had no budget to do it. No. So, and behind the back, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. And, and you know, just on, on my side of that, I mean, you know, uh, my con- I only signed a year deal and then I sat down with Skivo and, 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 and Jonesy and um, said, you know, kind of what do you want to do? And, you know, I said, look, I've, I've really enjoyed it, if I'm honest. You know, I'll, I'll stay if you kind of... And they said, well, we want to offer you a, a two-year deal, which was a bit of security for us. And, um, but it was less money. But I didn't care. No. It wasn't about that. I wanted to just get a bit of security in terms of playing football. and But most of all, I was enjoying my football there. So, um, you know, I didn't sign for the money. If, if, uh, if uh, not like a lot of people do nowadays, I, I did it because I wanted to stay at the club and, and play and, and continue to enjoy my football. Having, having kept us up, Skivo's first full season in charge is 2009 and 2010. Yeah. He tried to make his own stamp on things. It felt like signings like Stefan Stam, Sam Williams, Dean Bowditch. How did those players 
integrate? And what was that pre-season like under Skivo, the first one? So, do you know what? It was it was it was a good pre-season. Um that was the one Ryan Mason would have come in, wasn't it? Yeah. 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 And I always remember we went and did a, a tournament, um stayed a couple nights, I forget where it was, but uh there used to be one the, down in Devon, wasn't there? Wasn't Devon yeah, and Cornwall, I, yeah. that one? Grimsby were there, Wickham were there, there was a few other teams that were there and um yeah, it it was it was just good to get out and, and get a bit of a di- different environment. So they, they, they tried that and I think it cost a bit on the budget, but, I, I, you know, they tried to blend everyone in that way. And I do think that that helped as well. Um, and then obviously Stammy came in, um, which, uh, you know, Stefan was, a. I think he made him captain, didn't he? Did he make him yeah. captain? Yeah, he was captain, yeah. Yeah, and then I, th- I don't think that kind of worked out um, very well. No. Um, thought Sam Williams, he came in and did all right. Uh, I think Dino came in and was a revelation, really. You know, bright, energetic around the place, could get on your nerves um, <laughs> sometimes. But, but you know, he was, again, a player that, probably ended up at Yeovil because things had stagnated in his career and he knew that he needed to kick on uh, and he saw this as a place he could come and play and get going again. Um, and that's what happened for Dean. Um, but, you know, yeah, they did try and put their own stamp on it, but reality is they've not got thousands of thousands of pounds to work with a week. So they had to work with with what they had, if you like, and, and had the blending here and there. And obviously Ryan came in, John Abika came in, Stephen Corker came in. Um, who were all young lads, um, but I think for them it helped them a lot. And, and to be honest, I think you know I think Alex McCarthy came in that year on loan as well, and he was absolutely brilliant. Um, you know, again, they were all living in in the town and the community, and you know I thought that was what was good about it a lot is that you know they all knew what what it was like in the town and uh, what the fans were required, but also. Um, what what Skivo and Jones have required on the pitch as well. Yeah, you mentioned there um, Stephen Colker and Ryan Mason. Looking again at the results in that game, we won big big Tranmere on the first game of the season. But John we, Barnes in charge, wasn't he? I remember that's that. right, yeah. John Barnes. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, it was back then. And, and um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, wins did look hard to come by uh, on, on on that day. I mean, when you've got players like Stephen Colker and Ryan McMason, you mentioned they obviously looked very good players. Yeah. Do you think there was a bit of inexperience which maybe counted against them in a way? Because they, they were obviously, I think Stephen Colker was like 17 maybe when he joined us, even though he, he looked like he was about 24, the size of him. But he um, yeah. did that inexperience count against him maybe in that early period of the season? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it always does, doesn't it? I mean, I can't really remember if, if you if you reminded me of some of the games, I'd be able to. So yeah, we got we got a four, four nil loss at home to, to to Norwich, but we I mean we don't win a game. We draw three all at um uh home to to, to Leighton Orient, but it, it goes all the way Andrew through. Down, then scored an absolute world. Yeah, he ran from one end of the pitch to the other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, against us, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um yeah, I mean you have to go looking at the, the, the results, you have to go all the way through to the um the end of September before we won. We beat we beat Brentford and um some guy called Welsh scored the second goal. So oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. scored a penalty as well, didn't he? Yeah, we got. Um, oh no, Craig Olcock. Craig Olcock got the oh, other one he? in that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gavin, Gavin Tomlin does get a few uh, this, this season, but yeah, yeah that's uh, that was our first win, and that's the end of September. So it must have been, yeah, pretty pretty sticky period. Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously we beat Tranmere, didn't we? And then you you play Norwich, and they just absolutely bounced us out of the ground, didn't they? But I mean, the, the amount that they invested in there. Uh, I think they just lost as well, aren't they? First game of the season, about 7-0 at home to Colchester or something. So we're thinking these are going to come out of traps flying in. They just blasted us off the pitch, didn't they? 
Yeah, I've got, I've got a Grant Holt getting that trick and uh, yeah. your old teammate Wes Ulahan with one as well, well. They were both old teammates at Blackpool. <laughs> oh, were they Grant Holt yeah, as well? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so they were. Yeah, they were. Um, in fact, did we have a player called Stephen Callahan or, or Callahan? Uh, yeah, O'Callahan. Yeah, yeah, George Callahan. Yeah. George O'Callahan, that was it. Yeah. yeah. And he was playing, I think he played a couple of games. I don't think, I just remember back to that time, I don't think we had it right in the centre of the pitch in terms of what we were trying to do. But um, again, I, I do think that there was a lot of changes in the squad, which meant that. You know, it did need to. Everyone needed to kind of blend back in and get used to each other. And you know, I think that as it went on, you know, like you say, probably took to the end of September. It was, you know, I don't want to sound bad here, but it was tough being a Yeovil player in League One because you were never, you know, you were you were never fighting at the top end. It was always kind of, you know, halfway up the table and down. And it it wasn't till. Uh, Probably, I mean, we were in the relegation fight that year. Was it the last season? It was the last season I was there, I think. And, you know, we were, we were dead and buried, weren't we, at Christmas that season, I remember. But we got out of it. But the season you're on about there, I don't know. I can't really remember much from that season, if I'm honest. No, there's some, isn't it? there's a few. Mm, I can't really remember much of that season. If you, if you stole, if you poke my memory, I might remember some. <laughs> you remember the goal, though, right? I remember the goal, yeah. yeah. I think uh, it, it, Gavin Tomlin me through, and then the keeper came out quite a distance, and then I just uh, slid it to the side of him, I think. And then I ran up. <laughs> you don't remember anything that season, but you can remember this yeah. goal like it was yesterday. Yeah, I remember that goal. Yeah. Well, that was well, I hadn't scored the previous season. That's why. I mean, ah, okay. If you ask anyone in training, and that I was always scoring goals left, right and centre, you know, but back end of my career, I always just seemed to get assists and not enough goals. But I think my best scoring season came me last year at Yeovil. I got six, seven or eight or something, I think. Um, but yeah, I always seem to struggle. I don't know why. Let's move on to the next season. Yeah, um, let's talk about I, that. I think there was a, there, there's a game that, Lots of Yeovil fan, fans think back of as a highlight the, a bonkers 2 2 draw at Sheffield Wednesday, where Bloody there was two out. red cards, uh, a retaken penalty, loads of drama, and a yeah. brilliant defensive display. What, what do you yeah. remember about that game? Do you remember that one? Do I? Yeah, because I always <laughs> won about it. I actually ended up coaching for Sheffield Wednesday a little bit. And- um, the training grounds around the corner from Hillsborough. And I always say to people, I say, you know, I mean, I've played at Hillsborough a lot of times, but I've never seen a game so corrupt in my life that day. It was that that was the season uh, we were struggling, weren't we? And mm-hmm. I always remember Skibo got uh, a guy in to talk to us about mindset and, and stuff like that. And, you know, we were going into that game and just saying, look, you know, we're not, we're not losing this game type thing. And I remember. Um, I remember, I think I might have got a couple of assists that game. I think Paul Huntington scored from a header from a corner. Yeah. I think he might have scored two. No, Dean Bowditch got the first one. It went 1-0 one, one up with Bowditch after 15. Oh, yeah, yeah, he scored a great goal, actually, yeah. Scored a brilliant... He, that was at the cop end, one it, first half. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Hunt's got a... Yeah, and yeah, so two... Yeah, I remember it, and then... Uh, yeah, because I played right wing back or right wing that game. Yeah. And um, who was it? Jermaine Johnson was absolutely tearing <laughs> us apart that <laughs> side. And then um, I remember uh, Vergs. Was it Vergs or? Yeah, or, he came, did he came on. Did he get sent off first or did Ailing? No, uh, Luke, Luke Ailing got sent off for two bookings, 64 oh, minutes. Yeah, and then Vergs came on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gave away a penalty. So we're, like, we're at 2-2 here or 2-2. Two, two, we we winning 2-1 or no, we, you, you were winning. So so Hunts yeah. had scored after 57 and then yeah. Luke got sent off 64. And then first kept, well, he came on at 66 minutes and yeah. went off yeah. at 69 minutes. Well, so, I just remember Bergs came on yeah. and he came on just behind me and I said, uh, look, just... Um, if he gets it, I'm just going to sit with you and I'll double up, you know, uh, if he gets... And it was literally like, yeah, no worries. I, 
first tackle, boom, see you later. He's <laughs> off and I'm thinking, oh my, and I ended up, I think I might have even ended up playing the old right hand side. I might have played right, right back or something. Like <laughs> um, but yeah, that showed a fantastic mental strength from the team and stealing us. But, and then the penalties, you stood there watching the penalty and you're thinking, it won't, I don't, one of them want a penalty or something, or they had a penalty and the ref said, you know what, let, let's let them take it again. Yeah. Um, and did they score the second one? No, no, they hadn't got a, um, uh, got Reader Johnson scoring in the 86, but it might have been on a rebound because it's, uh, it's not marked up here as a penalty. No, I think they might have missed both penalties then, possibly. Oh, okay, right. They had a penalty and they either missed it or it got saved, and then it got. They told them they had to retake it. Yeah, and they must have missed it or reset. So yeah, I think Redder Johnson might have scored late on from a corner or something because he was a unit. He anyway. was a big bloke. Oh, yeah, he was a big. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So well, when we were looking through your Wikipedia, which obviously is the truth of everything, so you can tell us whether they've got this one right or not, it shows us you scoring a an eighty fifth minute goal against um, Oldham. Which, which mathematically secured our place in in League One, and then and then your first child was born. Uh, uh, within the, within the today, no, can't believe you don't remember it. Yeah, it's uh, a <laughs> tough week for me that week. I was um, going to say that sounds like not a bad twenty four hours, but a hectic one, I imagine. So if you remember, obviously, if you look back on fixture records there, um, because we were flying, weren't we? Back at that that second half of the season. Yeah. We just somewhat clicked and we were just hard to beat. You know, we, we were playing some great football. I remember we were going away to Leighton Orient and yeah. we, I think Sean McDonald got that trick. We won five. Five, 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 five one. Yeah, five, five, one, one. five yeah. one. Yeah, it was an early kickoff. I remember that. But I just remember, we, you know, we started. Do you not remember your goal in that one? No? Yeah, it was a great goal. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, it was a great it was volley on it. And then, yeah, I remember. No, it was a great. Listen, it was one of them games where. You know, it was just a belief. Every game we started to go into, you know, we were believing and there was a certain way we were playing. And um, yeah, and then that game there, I think two weeks before it, Bex was uh, due to give birth, but obviously Lily was no sign of her coming. So I think we had a game away at Hartlepool. Yeah, a couple of, yeah, week, the week yeah. before. And Skivo was like, look, we still need points. I need you up there. I, I said, look, I can't, you know, I'm not missing the birth of my first child. I'm sorry, but I, I just don't, I can't do that to my wife as well. Um, so stayed at home and I never forget, it was obviously it was April um, and it was just an absolutely red hot Saturday. Um, and we ended up just painting the decking, but the lads went up to Hartlepool. Did they lose up at Hartlepool? Yeah, lost 3-1. Yeah. yeah. And he it on me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then I just said, no, look, we need you. Obviously, you know, hopefully the baby comes soon. And But then it was like flipping out. You know, she went into labour on the Wednesday, I think it was, or the Thursday. Um, so we were in hospital, like, from Wednesday till till Friday. And then Lily came on Friday at, at six o'clock at night. And, it, but, you know, I hadn't trained for, like, two or three days. And he just said, look, I don't care, you're playing the next day. And uh, obviously we were one nil down, weren't we? And then um, I remember the ball went up to John Abika, uh, and he just kind of held it up and then slid me through. And then I, th I think yeah, it was a right back I sent for a bag of chips, chopped inside, and then it won and went in the bottom corner and just went off doing a Babetto celebration. So I'm surprised it's not ingrained in the oval. Uh, Oh, oh yeah, they, they play it over and over on the big screen. Yeah, 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 oh, that one. oh, I can't believe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One one draws against Oldham live long <laughs> in the memory. Like. Oh yeah. Well, <laughs> listen, it was. Uh, I tell you what, I, I actually said the other day, you look back at because it was that game, and then Oldham obviously got relegated, and then Yeovil had been relegated again, and I just and obviously Lily's birthday wasn't too long ago, and I just went. Flipping it, she's just turned 12 now. That's how old I want to make some of the fans feel there. On that, <laughs> she, uh, yeah, she's just turned 12. So, obviously, 12 years ago, Oldham v Oval in League One, yeah, you and know, now, 12 now. years on, Oldham in the conference, Yeovil are in the conference south. So, it just shows you how quickly time can change, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, if you look, look back on that season, we, we, we finished above Sheffield Wednesday. We finished level with, with Charlton. You know, plenty of big results against yeah. big, big clubs. I mean, it, it, it was a bit of a, a miracle in a lot of ways, wasn't it? That, that a squad, as you say, of, of misfits and kids and players on loan really did compete against some very good teams at that, at that season. That last season... Um, was the most enjoyable season out of all three, without a doubt. Um, Skivo and Jones have put a lot of hard work in that season, um, built a fantastic squad, and, and not only that, a great group of characters. Um, you know uh, that, that that cared for the club. I think the the, the issue was, um, you know, if you just spoke to us, probably this the 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 start of well, sorry, at Christmas when we were rock bottom and games getting called off and. Remember, we travelled up to Hartlepool and the game got snowed off and, you know, uh, and, and stuff like that. And um, nobody probably would have wanted to sign any of us because we were rock bottom of the league. And obviously, four or five months on, you know, it was it was very hard to keep hold of us all, I think. And, you know, it, it's the same in in. In most teams, like Yeovil at League One, where you're competing against big boys, the minute you know you have good seasons and and your contracts are up because you can't offer big contracts and that you you know you you're always going to run that risk, aren't you? Um, and I think obviously, I think I was one at first to leave. I went to Carlisle and then Bowes went to MK and Bergs went to Bristol Rovers. Um, did Craig leave that year? Go to Peterborough. Craig Olcott, yeah, I think you're right. It was that year, yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was tough because, you know, I do look back on that, that time and, you know, I speak to Skivo since and, and, and Jonesy since as well. And there was a time when I did nearly sign back that first season at Carlisle. I, I got I got kind of told, you know, uh, things that didn't really materialise and, and and if I'm honest I did look more at the security of my family at that point which was you know moved up to Carlisle and I got a uh, you know a nice signing on fee and um, you know more money and more appearance money and you're thinking you know I think I must have been 28 at the time 27 28 and, and I, I, I just I just felt wanted by Carlisle so that's why I ended up moving on if you like but you know it, it was you know the old. I do look back on it, and I think possibly should have stayed. And but it's when you hear all other lads are leaving as well. You think, you know, I've get I'm getting a, another contract here with more money, and I've got a, a daughter now to think of who's months old. And then I'm hearing my mates are leaving for bigger contracts and stuff like that. And you think, well, how long do you leave it? Yeah, well, we thought it was because we we beat Carlisle away on the on the last day of that season. We just thought you just didn't fancy the coach journey back. That's what. <laughs> I know it's uh no. Well, I set one up that day. I remember. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember because Dino. Uh, I think I ran quite a distance and then just squared it for him for a tap in. I remember. And yeah, we, yeah, we did. We absolutely played him off the pitch. I mean, and, and then to that point where you think, listen, we've got a great group of players here. And I just wish we could have all stayed together because I do generally think we were, we were playing. And people laugh at that. How can you say that when you were rock bottom at Christmas? Or, But that's the way the game works sometimes. You know, you have to go through that little bit of suffering as a squad first to really kick on. And um, yeah, that was probably a disappointment, if I'm honest. And when you look that that following season, around January time, Gary Johnson comes yeah. in, starts building again and obviously the rest is history do you yeah. look back at that period and think oh I could have I could have been a part of that or you know at the time is it just you are where you are and it's well I'm um, first of all you got Paddy Madden because of me so I gave you something back <laughs> so, uh, was that yeah. you was it oh go on tell us that yeah. story Givo called me up about him and yeah I did had a fallout with Graham Kavanagh in the reserves um Carlisle yeah but Carlisle and you know, he called me up and said, what do you think? I said, look, uh, the, the kid will run all day for you, really will. Um, you know, he'll fit into the ethos because that's what we were about the previous year, you know, really working hard for each other. Um, and I said, look, he'll run all day for you. He's a good kid. Um, I just think he wants to play. And 
you know, I'm sure with a run, he'll, he'll do all right. Listen, I, I'm not taking credit for the amount of goals that he scored, but, you know, he's absolutely sensational for Yeovil. And, uh, you know, I enjoyed working with Paddy. Uh, and funnily enough, we both ended up at Scunthorpe together as well. Um, yeah. You know, won, won League Two then. But, you know, yeah, I don't look back on it and think that could have been me um, with, with the team going to the championship because I think there was a lot of water under the bridge at that point in terms of, you know, Skibbo actually, you know, wasn't in charge. It was Gary Johnson. and um, But, you know, there was a... I think Skibbo's got to take credit for a lot of that as well. I really do. Um, you know, and Jonesy because, you know, they brought a lot of them players in. Mm. I mean, Luke Aylin, he's gone on... I mean, I still speak to Luke now. He's... He's gone on to have an absolutely outstanding career. He's now captain of, I know they might be going down, but he's captain of a Premier League club. Um, you know, they, they've got to take a lot of credit for his development, take giving him an opportunity so young. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and listen, there was no one more, and I genuinely, you know, Ed Upton, another one, you know. Yeah. Another one. He, he, to be honest, that first season, which was my last season for uh, at Yeovil, but Ed's first season, he, he was just a bit part player and you could mm. see he had a bit of quality, but I, I'll be honest, I thought he, he, the second season, he's, sorry, his third season, you've seen him score wonder goals and that and you're thinking, the hell didn't, I saw a bit of that in him, but again, that's development, yeah. you know, to be fair to the kid, he, he was didn't play loads, I think, first season, but he, he stuck at it and again, is that credit to Jonesy and, and Skivo for sticking with him? And then Gary Johnson's, built, you know, kind of bear the fruits of, of their labour, if you like. Yeah, well, I don't think Skivo and uh, Jones go on to have the managerial careers and coaching careers that they've had without, you know, there being something about them, is there? But... No, definitely not. Definitely not. Um, and again, it's, you know, it's a great place for you to play your trade at Yeovil, you know, with in terms of your management and your coaching. And I think, you know, they took took that uh, opportunity. Yeah, they were both younger in terms of that, but, you know, they were competing at League One level, so fair play to them. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think we can can let you go without um, asking you about what, what you're doing now. So, obviously, you're, you're manager of, of AFC Berry, which is a, a family ben, club. Berry AFC. Berry AFC, beg your pardon. Have, we have now merged... Yep. And we are now becoming Berry FC again. So right, we now we're going to ask you about that. this. Yeah, we it, you, you started in 2019, and that was obviously after the demise of, of Berry yeah. FC that everybody knows. But have I, re have I read this right? You were one of 200 applicants for the manager's job. Is that right? Yeah. Did you it's, have like people who uh, got championship strong. manager records? It's wrong. It was 750, it says. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, 750. Yeah, so it was, I think it was, yeah, um, I think it was back in 2020, yeah, uh, when the club, um, ba basically, you know, you look at what, what's been happening down at Yeovil, um, there was only one way that it was going to go at Yeovil if someone hadn't stepped in, uh, which is what happened at Berry financial irregularities and payments not being made so on and so forth you know the ground then it, it, it's then being used as a bit of a pawn in a in a game and that that's what's happened to, to Berry uh, and it's obviously one of the most high profile cases um because you, you know the club got um ejected from the football league um but then obviously the fan base has, had become a bit split because um how do you go from growing up watching football to to just nothing so you know some fans got together and set up Berry AFC and um, because obviously the ground was still owned by Steve Dale there was never going to be that opportunity to play at Gig Lane as long as he was around and uh, so we started playing at the New Haven at Radcliffe Borough and before you know it we've got 1800 members uh, you know they're paying a, a membership fee every month and then the season starts, I had literally three weeks to get a team together, uh, which there is a documentary about it on the BBC. Um, it's quite an interesting one. So, you know, that first season, COVID it, I think, 
can't remember, we might have been top of the league at the time, COVID it after seven games. So that the league got null and void. Then we went the next season, we won the league. Um, then last season, um, we finished fourth, but we had about 11 games to play in about 26 days due to, um, you know, the pitch being waterlogged. And then, you know, it was always a case that, that listen, for the t- no matter what anyone says, you can't have a town that's split and, and you need that ground back. And, you know, um, the fans have been able to acquire the ground back, but it meant there was another company uh, that's got the ground and then there was Berry AFC that's got the club and then for it all to work everyone has to come together so they had a vote just before Christmas and I think out of 2,000 and odd people 20, 286 voted no which meant the merger wouldn't go ahead right. which is like wow can you not see the impact that could have and then all of a sudden everyone's voted yes about two or three weeks ago and say so you redid the vote didn't you or, or, yeah now yeah. Gig, gig lane's back and you know we're at gig lane next year so i've been down there already in the place it's just an absolute you know cathedral of football history if you like it's a league stadium in the northwest counties which is you know it's probably three divisions below um where Yeovil are going to be playing next season. So if you imagine a 12,000-seater stadium at those levels, it's absolutely crazy. But now we've got to make sure that we um, continue to play the right way and and play winning, exciting football, but also get the community uh, back together and, uh, you know, really go for it. Did, Did you always want to step into management when you finished playing? Never even thought about it. I'll be honest. Um, I think when you're a player, uh, if I'm honest, I always kind of found myself um, interested in sessions and 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 kind of you know I always kind of wrote down quite a few sessions just to remember them. Or, um, but I also think I had a good rapport with my my teammates and and managers that I'd, I'd played for as well. Um, and certainly as I got older, um, you know, I always always kind tried to help the younger ones and you know I remember Luke Ayling coming in and you know I remember his debut and saying you know um you've 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 got a real bright future because you can tell that you want to play but sometimes you know you've just got to just enjoy the moments that you're in at the minute because you could tell that he would get frustrated and you know I think that's the hardest part when you get older you start thinking no I'm, I'm helping these youngsters out I wish I had someone helping me out when I was younger so I've always had an interest in being um, being someone that people can talk to as well. I think the psychology of football, which I ended up doing a degree in psychology um, when I was at Yeovil, um, and I, I started that at Yeovil and then finished it when I was at Carlisle. Um, and, yeah, just understanding people. So, And then that just led me, when I had my knee up at Scunny, I started doing a bit of coaching because I didn't want to waste any time. And I just got a buzz for it, just started to enjoy it because you can see you can impact people on the field and off the field. Um, and from there, I've you know just gone on and started managing. Now got my own football academy, which is doing really well. And yeah, I just love it, really. You know, my, my daughters now play. I've got twins. They both play. Um, and, you know, we're just a family that's deep in the roots of football. <laughs> How is that? How is uh, holding back on the sideline when the children are playing football? I, 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 I don't get involved. No. <laughs> no, I, I, honestly, I stand away. Well, Lily just had a cup final uh, two weeks ago and uh, they were losing 2-0 um, and they ended up winning 4-2, but I just stood away from the, the pitch. and Because, if it, listen, the, the thing is when kids are young, and I always say this to parents, is, there's such a rush to get your kids and say, my kid's five-year-old and he can bat, batter a ball. And and development's development. I, I mean, I didn't get into football till I was 16. And I mean, obviously I played, but I didn't sign for a club until I was 16. I just mm-hmm. played at grassroots level. And, um, you know, the, the opportunities he can get with, you know, private coaching now or just good coaches in general, you can get a lot more out of that than, than pro clubs. Um you know, 
she's a fantastic little player, to be fair to her. Um, she's top scorer in a league this year. Um, she's a left footer as well, which is going to bode well for her. Does um, she remember all her goals as well? Does she talk to you for them all, like you? Because she played yesterday. <laughs> right. Scored two yesterday, and she, uh, well, what would it like? And she don't, she don't. I couldn't watch her unfortunately yesterday, right. but she couldn't. So yeah, there, there's another point there. You know, um, I'm not, uh, I'm not always there, but I think that's a good thing because if she mm. wants to go on in the game, it's down to her. It's not down to me. Yeah. You know, if the coach doesn't want her, if the coach takes her off, that well, why is he taking you off? Are you working hard enough? Are you, you know, what have you? But she's really young still. She's only twelve and still learning the game, but. You know she's been, um, she's been uh, acknowledged by the England talent pathway already. So she's got a couple of events coming up with them, um, but we just try and keep her, just enjoying it because that's what it's about. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, mm. I mean, just going back to Berry AFC, fan ownership, as as you mentioned, something's been spoken about a lot. Uh, over with obviously everything that's been going on. I mean, what can you tell us about how it works from your experience? I mean, is it something you would recommend to other clubs as far as fan fan ownership is concerned? I think the thing with fan ownership is obviously first and foremost you have to get the right people in place that are going to chair a, a, a fan owned board, if you like, and then. It's just about working as hard as you can for your club as a volunteer. There's no, you know, the amount of people that are involved with us, um, they've been absolutely incredible. Um, but they know the way that it all works now and, and they care. And, you know, who, who cares more for your club than, than the fans, you know? And, and I think that's really important. And obviously, um, with Yeovil now, they've now got, um, it's Martin Hellier who's took took charge, and um, you know I've, I listened to his interview the other day, and it's very hard in football, I think now because clubs have been scorned a lot by chairman, and um, you've seen clubs take. I Berry got taken over by, I think it was uh, Stuart Day and then Steve Dale, and um, both were just as bad as each other, um, and I think they're the worries nowadays that stuff like that can happen but the proof is in the pudding I think after two or three months whether a chairman is, is going to do what he says he's going to do or you know because listen we can all you know uh, throw a little bit of seed down on a pitch and say we're going to invest here and there but you've got to give people a chance haven't you um, with a fan-owned board you've got to acknowledge at some point you're going to have to have investment and serious investment to get you know, high as high as you can. I think the the model that certainly Macclesfield have got at the minute, where they've just completely changed the pitch to a four G pitch, so it can bring money in uh, to be a sustainable club, um, can also work. Um, but I think the biggest thing for us is, um, and the biggest thing for the town of Bury is having a football club play, playing again at Gig Lane, mm-hmm. uh, and then getting the you know we've we've got government funding. Um, for the ground and for the pitch and, and so on and so forth. But, you know, we know, I think, and everyone knows as you go up the ladders, um, you need investment. I, you know, we talk about Stockport County, you know, not Conference North. Every now and again, I did the radio for them in the Conference North and it was dark days. They, you know, it really was dark days. And then you see yesterday, um, again, one of my old teammates, Dave Challenger, manager at Stockport, and the place is bouncing at the minute. Um, but that's the investment from Mark Stott, who's put that in, um, and he really has revitalised the club. Um, so, fingers crossed, that's what Martin can do for Yeovil because it's a fantastic football club. Um, you know, one that I, I hold, you know, close to my heart. Um, and, and again, I think that community, uh, the, the the location of Yeovil, you you know you can really make some um, massive inroads as a club just by now. You've stepped down to the, the the conference south, if you like, but it's a great opportunity now to rebuild and grow different routes as a football club to probably be more sustainable, and then have that investment later on when needed to really kick them on again. 
We always like to finish off by asking our guests on the Glover's Past if they have anything they'd like to say to supporters who, who are listening in. Have you got any message for uh, the people of Hewish Park who used to stand or sit and, and watch you assist and score? Yeah, I think, I, I think to be honest, um, for me, um, I was always, you, you know, the fans were always brilliant with me. Um, I remember my last ever home game, scored a goal as well that day. Um, I think I might have got an assist that day as well. But, uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 in fact, I think I might have got some supporters player of the season award as well. So I loved every minute there and, I, and, and the fans were great. Um, and that was through a time really where we were punching way above our weight. Um, so, you know, I thank them for making me and my family feel welcome. But I think, you know, now you, you, your club needs you more than ever. And the hardest thing to do is stand there and kind of, you know, watch football that you're not used to and, and kind of see your club if you like. Uh, you know, I, I, listen, I saw comments, clubs dying, this, that and the other, but you can have a real impact now as fans. And you, if if, if ever your club needed you, yeah, it's, it's now when someone else has taken over. You know, spread the word, um, get get the kids from the schools in, and, and really make Hewish Park a fortress. In it, you know, from the first kick of the the, the ball in in the new season, and um, you know, it's you if you turn your back, the club ain't gonna be there. So you need to be there for your club. Well said. Can't argue with that. Thank you very much for your time, Andy. It's been great to speak to you about your time at Hewish Park. It's been brilliant. Thank you. No problem. Cheers, Andy. Thank you. And with a quick turn, skipper Alex Dock slams it in. There's Lindergaard making Forrest backpedal. Davis looking to help it into the path of Morris. He's found him via the deflection. It's Aaron Davis. He could win it. He probably has won it for Yeovil. 